promise from the Lord. He's before you. He is for you. Amen. 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 You guys can find your seats. Worship team, thank you so much for leading us in worship. Boy, it is good to be in church this morning. I uh, am so excited to be here. Did you guys miss it? We had fall. It was six hours on Monday. It went from summer to winter. Hey, hey, welcome to New Mexico. If you aren't familiar, we just had that season change. It was, it was amazing, wasn't it? It was amazing. It was glorious, all six hours of it. Well, welcome to church. I'm so glad that you're here. And, um, and I know if many of you guys know me, and I only tell terrible jokes on holidays. And today's holiday, I'm telling you, I was born for this. I was born for this. Today is National Bald is Beautiful Day. Come on, that's right, that's right. You're like, oh, I was like, where do I even start? I'm even not sure how I'm gonna end. Like the whole sermon's just gonna be all the terrible dad. I've just heard them all. They're like, hey, Pastor Matt, <laughs> you're so bald, I can see what's on your mind, you know? <laughs> hey, Matt, you're so bald, when you take a shower, you get brainwashed, you know? <laughs> I've heard of, you know, I can, Matt, I can rub your head and see the future, you know? Rub my bald people out. I see some bald people in the room. Yeah, I feel, you know, you feel me, you feel me, yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, you use more toothpaste than you do shampoo. That's true. That's true. So, so how about this? What do you call what do you call a bunch of rabbits hopping backward? A receding hairline. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. It gets better from there. What do you call a barber that only works on bald people? An air stylist. You know, bald is beautiful in a lot of different ways, though, you know. I mean, I could go all day on these things. But, but you know, there's beautiful animals that are bald, like bald cats. No, nah, they're nasty. <laughs> they're not in this category. But bald eagles, we've seen bald eagles. They're beautiful bald eagles, aren't they? Yeah, we've seen the bald eagles. Reminds me of a park ranger. He comes across a man out eating a bald eagle out in the wilderness, and he's like, oh, this is not good. So he arrests the guy, because we all know this, endangered. He, he arrests the guy, and he, he locks him up tense. The guy's now in, in court. He's standing before the judge, and the judge is like, what on God's green earth possessed you to eat a bald eagle? And he's like, well, I was lost in the wilderness. I was looking all over. I was just, I, I, this eagle attacked me out of nowhere. I defended myself, ended up killing the bald eagle, and I was starving, so I was like, mm, I mean can't let it go to waste. I'm just going to eat the thing. And, and so, you know, they, they kind of deliberate back and forth a little. And the judge finally says, well, it sounds like self-defense. Listen, I know you weren't. We'll just go ahead and dismiss all the charges and whatnot. And, and so the, uh, he's like, oh, thank you. So everybody's packing up. Court's, you know, done. They're packing up. The judge is like, hey, by the way, what does the bald eagle even taste like? The guy's like, uh, I don't know. Kind of a cross between a, a spotted owl and a whooping crane. I know, yeah, yeah. We are in a se- <laughs> we are in a series called Emotions. In a series called All the Feels, because we all got these emotions that are going on, right? We all have these things, and it's all the feelings that we end up. And and in 2020, I can tell you that we've had a lot of feels, haven't we? Like we have good days and bad days, and and ups and downs, and ins and outs, and and all the feels are always happening. And 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 so maybe this is your first time here joining us, whether whether you are live in person or if you are tuning in online. I just want to welcome you. I'm so glad if it's your first time. You can actually get connected with our church so fast and easy. It's so super. 
super simple. You can shoot a text message into the office. Um, the information's on the screen. You text into the office, and, and we'll, we'll kind of get started on a conversation and just kind of get to know one another a little bit because we love to make new friends around here. At the same time, we're also going to receive tithes and offerings. And, uh, and if this is your home church, then um, this is for you. If you're a guest or if you're visiting, then, then you know this isn't for you. But if this is your home church and um, we want to receive those, you can do that in person. There's boxes you can drop in, or you can go to the website, or you can even text in for a link to our website. But let's pray over the tithes and offerings. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for all that you've given us. And God, even in the middle of a global pandemic, you've been taking care of us. And, and God, I just ask that as we continue to honor you by returning the tithes and offerings to the house of God, God, we ask that you would bless those finances. Bless the finances of the giver. God, that those people who are giving, God, that you would uh, increase them in, in ways that are just intangible, that are just supernatural. And God, for the money that comes into the church, God, we ask that you would just bless that. And everywhere that it goes, God, your name would be made famous. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen, amen. So here we are, all of the feels. We've got all of these emotions. Last week, we talked about what happens when you feel hurt. And what does God say when, when you are feeling hurt? And, and, and this week, I want to talk about this, is what happens when you are anxious, when you feel anxious? It's 2020. We can be honest for a minute. How many of you guys have ever dealt with a, maybe just this year, a little bit of anxiety this year? Any, any anxiety? I see some hands going all over the place. No hands. It's okay. We're going to talk about lying next week. And you have a little bit of anxiety, right? Because 2020 has been a little bit of a bumpy ride. Let's just be honest. Like, it's just been a little bit unusual in many aspects, you know? Like, we, we had the, all these different, the pandemic, but then we have, now we have these crazy wildfires, and then we have this election, and then, and then we've got got the schools. Like, what's going on with the schools? Kids aren't going to school. They're doing it online. Good luck. Yeah, that's fun. Lots of fun. So I thought, I wonder how much more anxious people are this year from last year. And, and so in 2019, July of 2019, they, this, the, they figured out that 8.2% of adults were showing signs of anxiety disorder. So 8% roughly of adults, anxiety disorder, 2019. 2020, 36% of adults or showing anxiety disorder symptoms. So guys, we got a situation here, don't we? We got a little bit of a situation here. And anxiety is complicated. It, it just is. There, there's so many different factors. And, and I think that we should approach things, uh, especially with emotions and mental health and things like that, we should approach that from a holistic perspective. And so I want to say that on the front end of this sermon today because I want you to understand that, that, that listen, it's, sometimes it's like, well, just, you know, get over it. Just, just don't be afraid anymore. Just, well, then your, your, your faith is weak. Or, listen, there's a holistic approach to it. It's a multi-pronged thing because it is very complex, which means this is that maybe you need to adjust your diet. Maybe your blood sugars or chemistry is off. Or maybe there's, there's something that needs maybe some supplements or or maybe you just need to see a doctor, whether that's meds, maybe a little medication to kind of get through something, or maybe you need to talk to a counselor and kind of process some of the stuff that's going on, because anxiety can be triggered from all kinds of different things. But today, I want to talk to you from the spiritual side of it, because the spiritual side of it is definitely a holistic approach. We've got to be able to uh, uh, look at anxiety and how the emotions that we feel in relation to this from the way that God would look at it. It can't just be one thing. It's, you've got to hit it from a spiritual side as well. And this is important because we all face anxiety. We all face fear. In fact, the stats would say that in 2020, there's more fear and anxiety this year than really any other year that we've seen in recent history, maybe even decades, maybe even, I don't know how long. I'm not that old. I don't know. But I can tell you that there's more fear and anxiety and panic right now than there's been in a very, very long time. 
You know, God actually made emotions. He put those into you. Emotions aren't bad. The feels aren't bad. The different things that we go through aren't bad. It's what we do with all these feels that makes the difference. How do you process the things that are happening on your emotions? Jesus actually dealt with emotions. Last week we talked about how he had, they found 39 different emotions that Jesus expressed. He expressed emotions and, 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 and he even expressed things like anger. Did you know you can be angry and not sin? Anger, which means anger in itself isn't a sin. It's just what you do with that anger. Anxiety itself isn't the sin. It's what you do with the, that thing. And so we're going to look at Jesus and I alluded to this last week. We're going to look at Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And so we're going to be in Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. If you have your Bibles with you, you can pull those open. If you are old school paper, if you are new school digital, pull it out on an app or a device or something. Feel free to do that. Or if you don't have any of those things, we'll have it on the screen for you as well. So we're in Mark chapter 14. And we're going to start in verse 32. And it says this. And they went to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, this is Jesus speaking, says, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death, remain here and watch. Now, I'm not a psychologist, but it sounds as though he's dealing with maybe a little bit of anxiety and maybe a little bit of stress, and maybe a little bit of, of anticipating a really hard time to the point where he's not feeling good. He says, Jesus is greatly distressed. He has this sinkhole of, of dreadful agony that's going on on the inside of him because he knows what's coming next. He knows that the next steps in his journey, what God has orchestrated, where the path that he's on next is this. It's talking about betrayal. He's going to have mental and physical abuse, torture, and then excruciatingly painful death on a cross. He feels stressed out and anxious enough now that he's like, I feel bad enough to die. My soul is sorrowful even to death. Have you ever been stressed about something that you know is coming the next day and you just had that ache on the inside? Have you ever had one of those nights where you're going to bed and you're dreading what's going to be coming the next day? And, and, and as you're laying in bed, you're like, Lord, if you just want to take me tonight, I mean, I'd be cool with that because, you know, I got that meeting with the boss tomorrow and I just don't want to deal with it. I mean, I, if I just wake up in heaven, I'm not going to complain. Because, <laughs> you know, I think Jesus is going through one of these moments where he's like, do I, do I have to do this? I'm sorrowful even till death. I mean, it, I think we can all relate that we've, we've had those emotions. We've had those feelings before. In verse 35, 35, And going a little further, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And he came and he found them sleeping and he said to Peter, Simon, why are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So Jesus is asking his, his disciples to pray with him. And he's walking and praying and he even lays down and, and prays. And, and he's got all of this anguish in his soul. He comes back and it's like, dude, I step out for like two minutes and you're asleep already. 
Like, like, what, what is, like, what kind of prayer meeting is this? Like, like, come, like, come on. I'm in agony over here, and I'm asking my heavenly Father if there's any other path. The spirit is deed is willing, he said, but the flesh is weak. It's like there's a part of you that's eager to chase after the things of God, and then there's a part of you that's maybe a little apathetic or maybe a little lazy. Can't we relate, though? Isn't there like times where we're like, I, I feel like such passion to follow and serve God, but then there's another side of me that sometimes gets the better of me and it's like, I get a little apathetic. Oh, I'm gonna pray. And then you just like fall asleep. <laughs> Verse 39. And again, he went and away and prayed, saying the same words. And again, he came back and found them asleep. Okay, guys. <laughs> All right. For there were, their eyes were heavy and they did not know what to answer him. And he came the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us get going. I see my betrayer is at hand. And immediately while he was still speaking, Judas came with the soldiers and, and, the, and the betrayal started. And they arrested him. Okay, Jesus, let's get real for a minute, though, because let, let's talk about this situation. They just had the Last Supper right? It's nighttime. They're tired. It's the end of the day. They had a lot of bread, right? Because this is my body, you know? They had some wine. So they had, they had some bread and some wine. They're full stomachs. It's dark. They go into a nice, dark, peaceful garden. Um, I mean, and they start to like drifting off just a little bit. Like you kind of set this up, didn't you? Like it doesn't, it seem like, boy, the odds are against you. It seems like if, if you're going to feed my belly, give me a little wine and put me in a dark, quiet, peaceful garden, I might just fall asleep too. I'm not sure these guys were set up for success, exactly. The situation has always been an interesting read. See, because Jesus is clearly distraught. He's got massive amounts of anxiety and stress that he's personally processing. But his disciples didn't seem to share the same amount of concern. It's like they, they cared about his anxiety, but didn't want to share the same load. Like they cared, but they weren't like carrying it. We all have friends around us like that, right? You're going through something tough. They're with you. And it's not that they're against you. They're with you. But they don't carry the same load that you carry sometimes. Because I want to tell you today, there's three things that Jesus did here that I think he modeled that we can do when we're in the middle of this. And having the right friends around you matters. So who do you talk to when you're feeling anxious? Who do you talk to when you're, when you're dealing with the feels of, of stress and anxiety? And the first one is this, is that Jesus talked to his friends. So I think you should talk to your friends. This is why small groups are so important. Because on Sunday morning, we're all in rows. And Sunday morning, um, you know, we, we have kind of a church face on. And it's not that it's fake. It's not that, that we're, we're lying because we don't want to talk about some of the deeper struggles. It'd just be kind of weird, you know? few hundred people in the room, you're going to stand up and be like, I couldn't sleep last night because blah, 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 blah. And everybody's like, oh, this is awkward. You know, I don't really, know. you know, what's that this is dynamically, it's just a weird setting to be able to, to bear your soul on a Sunday in the middle of a, of a service. You know who you do that with? You do that with a smaller group of people, right? That's just naturally how we're wired. And so that's why small groups are important, because if you don't have people around you who are godly people, who are going to help you and encourage you in your faith and to be able to take the right steps and to do the right thing, you need that group of people around you. Jesus had this group of people around him. 
Who do you have in your circle that's going to speak faith into your fear situations? Who do you have? We've got to surround ourselves with people who will be a voice, even a voice from God at times in the midst of our struggles, in the midst of our daily things. The relationship with Jesus isn't a me and Jesus thing. It's a we and Jesus thing. We were designed to operate in community and be able to live in community and to follow Jesus together, not just alone. Jesus was facing down some serious anxiety about being arrested and tortured and, and death by crucifixion. And he gathers his friends to, to pray about it. He says, guys, pray with me here. And, and he's pretty honest, isn't he? Like, like his words are saying, he's not saying like, I'm doing okay when I'm not. He's, he's honest. He's saying like, guys, I'm really deeply troubled. My soul is sorrowful even to death, he says. Jesus is telling them how he feels, and he's saying, I need you. Research is out that's saying that anxiety, one of the main contributors to anxiety, is a lack of deep community, which is probably why in the middle of our pandemic quarantine, stay away from everybody, anxiety is starting to rise, both from the fear side of what's happening in the world, but also from the lack of community for people to help carry it with each other. We need to be able to talk with our friends and pray with one another. We need to be able to do these things. I mean, it's, it's a critical part. My soul is overwhelmed. I feel like this could kill me. Will you please pray for me? It's what we need. It's what we need. We've got to have it. Number two is, number one is talk to your friends, but number two is talk to God. Yeah. Sometimes when we feel bad about ourselves, the temptation is to run away from God, to run away from our Heavenly Father. Oh, gee, I'm not perfect, so I'm going to like run away, fix my stuff, and then I'm going to come back and deal with God. Eh. Seems kind of different, doesn't it? But if you really look, even all through Scripture, even Adam and Eve, same thing. Oh, dang it, we ate the wrong fruit. Uh, let's go hide and figure this out, and then we'll talk to God about it. i got to handle my problems. But see, we got to go talk to God about it. Because see, your emotions aren't sinful. Feeling anxiety isn't a sin. It's not that your faith is weak. It, feeling anxiety is one of those things that should activate our faith. That's when faith comes in. Faith is when you can't quite see it, but you know there's a gap and you have to take that step of faith because you don't know it's there. When you're feeling the anxiety starting to pile up, it requires us to be able to lean on God, not run from Him. Your emotions aren't sinful. It's how you act on them might be sinful. But you're, I've said this so many times, but our emotions are like the warning lights on our dash of our car. With the temperature drop, my air pressure light came on on the, on the, on the car because the temperature went down. And, and so the light came on. It's, it's the problem with my light or the fact that my air pressure and my tires are running a little bit low. This light's bugging me. I could pull the bulb. I could put tape over it. I could cover up that light. But, but that doesn't fix the problem, does it? But, but so many times we deal with our anxiety in unhealthy situations and unhealthy ways. 
People will deal with anxiety and stress by, by trying to pull a bull, by, by maybe drinking a little too much or, or covering up with other activities that are unhealthy or, or different types of, of substances or we try to numb it or try to hide it or try to l- l- turn the bulb brightness down. But, but the bulb isn't the problem. When the bulb pops up, it means that you have to deal with something. It means something else is going on that we need to deal with. In fact, in your vehicle, when a, bulb, when a light check engine light comes on, what do you do? You take it back to the manufacturer, the one that made it, and you say, hey, this light is coming on. What's the root cause that's going on here? I want to encourage you that when you have anxiety that starts to build up in your life and those lights are coming on in your dash and you're getting all the feels, go back to your manufacturer. Go back to God, the one who designed you and made you. Go back to him and say, I don't know what's going on, but I know this that you know. And so we've got to get to a place when the lights come on. Our first reaction isn't to cover it up. Our first reaction isn't to run away. I'll try to fix it and then come back to God. No, no, our first reaction should be when the light comes on, we go directly back to God and say, God, I don't know what's going on. I got my friends praying for me, but God, I'm talking to you too. I'm talking to you too. You can take out the bulb, but the light isn't the issue. You see, anxiety is this. It's an indicator that it's time to pray. Paul said this, do not be anxious, but in every situation, pray. In every situation, pray. The virus stressing you out, pray. We have this election coming up. That'll be fun. Let's pray. <laughs> yeah, if everybody's got that one going. But what about my future? Let's pray. What about my kids? Well, you pray. Marriage, school, relationships. When anxiety starts to come up, it says, be anxious for nothing, for, don't be anxious for about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, you say that with me, say peace of God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And the peace of God will guard you. Anxiety leads to prayer. Prayer goes to God and the peace of God comes down. It's not your peace. It's not the world's peace. And the world didn't give you that peace and the world can't take it away. Because when we call out on the name of Jesus and we receive the peace of God in our life, it doesn't matter what the world throws at you because his peace is bigger. They call Jesus the Prince of Peace because he brings a different kind of supernatural peace into our life. See, no storm is gonna bring No storm God won't bring you through. There's no obstacle that God won't help you overcome. There's no enemy that God won't defeat. No heartache that God won't heal. Here's what I know is that when you say the name of Jesus, darkness is shattered. And when you call on on his name, there's another element that you're engaging on the supernatural side of things. We talk to our friends, we pray, but when we talk to God, there's another level that we start to engage in. And we've got to get trained Train ourselves, train our spirit and our soul and our mind. We've got to train ourselves. When the light comes on, we run to God. We don't run from Him. See, if it's big enough to worry about, then it's big enough to pray about. If it's big enough to worry about, then it's big enough to pray about. And I've got to say this if it's on your mind, it's also on God's heart. If it's on your mind, it's also on God's heart. The third thing I saw there is this, is, is Jesus talked to his feelings. So we talk to each other. We talk to our, our friends, our group. We talk to God, but, but I want to encourage you, church, that 
you can talk to your feelings too. Because you're not controlled by your feelings. I know, it's, it's sometimes a foreign concept. Sometimes I win this battle and sometimes I don't. Can I be honest? Sometimes I win this and sometimes I don't. Sometimes my feels get the better of me. But I want to challenge each and every one of us that, that when the feels start to come, we can talk to our feelings too. Because sometimes your feelings can lead you astray. Some of the worst advice is just follow your heart. <laughs> just, just follow your feels. Dude, if I did everything that I felt, I'd be in jail before 5 o'clock tonight. You know what I mean? Like, like if I did every emotion, it's just like, yeah, you know, on the way home, I'm going to just like kill somebody when they cut me off. You know, I mean, okay, I don't really road rage. But, but you know what I mean? Like, like if we did everything we feel, we'd get in a lot of trouble, wouldn't we? Because we don't let every single emotion control our life. We've got to be able to talk to our feelings. You don't follow your feelings. You've got to talk to your feelings. You tell your feelings that, hey, feelings, you're not the boss of me. You're a light, an indicator. It's a flag for me to look at to get a reference of something isn't right under the hood. But that is not the boss of me. I serve God. I don't serve my feelings. Because your feelings don't necessarily reflect reality. How many sleepless nights have you had to wake up in the morning and realize that everything that you were stressed out about wasn't even real? (laughs) And if you'd acted on your feelings, oh, you wake up in the morning and you're like, oh, thank God that I didn't act on my feelings. How many times did you type that text message just to delete it before you sent it? How many times did you type the email and go, no, and you back it up? You know, don't act on your feelings. You you have to be able to talk to your feelings about your faith. Don't let your feelings control you. You've got to talk to your feelings about your faith. It's what Jesus did. In the garden, he says, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. So you can take this cup from me, yet not what I want. But God, let let your will be done. He told his feelings, I don't feel like going out of this garden, being betrayed, being whiffed, being verbally abused, spit upon. I don't feel like dragging a beam up a hill, being nailed to this cross and dying an excruciating death. He didn't feel like doing that. There was nothing like, oh, that sounds like a good Friday night. Let's go. He was not feeling that at all. We got to be able to speak truth to our feelings and align our feelings with our faith. Sometimes we feel like God doesn't love you. But faith says God so loved the world that he sent his only son. We we, we can feel like, I feel like I'm alone. But our faith needs to rise up and say, God never leaves you or forsakes you. So I might feel alone, but I got to know that I'm not alone. I might feel like I'm, maybe I'm worried about resources or money or, or supply for my family. But, but God says this, God says that my God supplies all of my needs. So I might feel one way, but golly, I got to be able to lean on my faith and take that step of faith and say that God will provide. I might feel like a victim in a situation, but faith says I'm an overcomer in Christ. It says that the same power that conquered the grave lives inside of you. And if Jesus can conquer the grave, then you can conquer the situation in your life. Not because of your power, because of his power. And if God gives you that power and God gives you that peace, the world can't take it away because it's not from them. It's not from them. So we'll close with this. If the keyboardist would come, we'll wrap up. 
So what did Jesus do with anxiety? How did he process all of it? First, he talked to his friends. He also, he talked to God and he talked to his feelings. And, well, it worked. He got through what would have been a very stressful, difficult moment. Jesus stumbled into the garden, overwhelmed, full of soul-crushing anxiety. Soldiers are coming. They're going to arrest me. I'm going to face unjust trials, false accusations, followed up by unspeakable torture and excruciating pain and death on a cross. It says that he went willingly to the cross. He went willingly to the cross. And and it's like, golly, and why? Because the joy set before him. He went willingly to the cross because of the joy set before him. And what is this joy? Well, church, I have good news. That joy is you. He was looking at humanity saying that I'm going to go to the cross and and, and what I accomplish on the cross is going to be reconciling the relationship between humanity and divinity. Because for thousands of years, humanity has been trying to build this bridge to divinity. And in fact, you've done it yourself. You've had moments in your life you're saying, well, God, if you get me out of this jam, I'll never do that again. (laughs) But then here we are doing it again. Like we've tried. We say, I'll change my ways. I'll change my behavior. I'll change what I'm doing. And and God, if you can just save me from this moment. And he does. He saves you from the moment. And then then you say, I'm going to change. But you you end up not. You try. You have your best intentions. And and you think you're going to get there. but, But you fall short every single time. And this is the miracle. This is the amazing, miraculous thing. You see, when Jesus went to the cross, he knew what he was doing. He was building a bridge, not from humanity to divinity, but the other way, from divinity to humanity. It didn't start in this world, it started in heaven. And when he built this bridge, when he came down to earth and died on the cross, he built a bridge that you and I didn't build. This world didn't build it, he built it. This world can't take it away. And all it is is a free, it's a free gift. It's a, it's, a, it's a free thing. It's like you don't have to do it. You just have to say Yes, I choose to make Jesus the Lord of my life. And in the midst of everything that we face from day in and day out, as we continue to lean on him, as we continue to follow him, he guides our steps. He gets us through things. See, Jesus went through the trials in order to make the path so that we might be in right relationship with God. You're so valuable to him, that to God, that he paid the highest price. Your value is determined by the price paid. And Jesus is the only son of God. God sent his only son down to earth to die for you. You didn't do anything to deserve it. It even says that while he was on the cross, while people were still sinning around him, he was dying for their sins. You see, salvation is a free gift and all we have to do is say Yes. You might be here this morning, whether in person or online, and maybe you've never made the decision to follow Jesus. Maybe you, you've, you've, you've looked at it, you've thought about it, but you said, I don't know. Or maybe you once said yes, but you've kind of walked away and you just know in your heart that it's time for you to get right with the Lord. Today can be that day. Following Jesus, making that decision, it's as simple as A, B, C. A is that you just admit, yeah, I admit that I need a Savior. 
B is that you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died on the cross for your sins. And C is that you confess him as Lord. You choose him to be the Lord and the Savior of your life. If you want to follow Jesus, you pray a simple prayer, something to get you started. And this is what you say. You say, dear Jesus, I admit that I need you. I believe that your son has paid the price for me on the cross. And I choose, I, I, I confess you to be the Lord and the Savior of my life. Help me to follow you all of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, I want to know about it. You can text in, let me know. I want to help you. It's not a finish line, it's a starting point. It's, it's a fork in the road, a, a new direction, a new path. And I want to give you some encouragement along the way. If you don't mind shooting me a text message, that way we can help you along the journey. And for those of you that are here, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for everyone that's part of this church. God, I just ask that as we deal with anxiety, as we deal with all the fields of, of anxiety, God, that you would help us. God, put the right people in our life to, to help us to be able to have the people we can talk to. God, give us the, the, the courage to go run to you first, not last. And God, I pray that you give us the wisdom and the strength to talk to our feelings and let them know that you're not in charge of me. And I pray that as we leave this place, God, let us be salt and light everywhere that we go. Let us make a difference in the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, it's been good. I love seeing all of your smiling, beautiful faces, even if they're behind the mask sometimes. I just assume they're always smiling. Now, you're welcome to hang out. There's fresh air outside if you need some space. Uh, I appreciate you guys doing masks and social distancing and all of the stuff that we're doing. Um, let's encourage each other. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful, wonderful week.